Welcome to the Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. Larry is the author of over 40 books, the founder of Dove International, a worldwide family of churches and ministries in six continents, and has over 50 years of leadership experience. He and his guests will share inspirational leadership insights from their journey with God. These insights, gleaned from serving leaders in many nations, will transform your life and leadership. For more information on Larry's books and resources, visit LarryKreider.com. Larry Crider here with the Larry Crider Leadership Podcast. With me today is my good friend for many, many years, Steve Shank. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Larry. It's good to be with you. We've been in a lot of places together. I remember being in Africa with you and Kenya, Zambia, Mr. World. We traveled. I remember, <laughs> I remember being in uh, Scotland with you years yes. ago. Yeah. Yes. Just, yes. just training leaders in different parts of the world. So I'm so honored to have you with us today. And we're going to talk about, again, leadership on this podcast. Mm-hmm. We focus on what are some mistakes we made that we don't want others to make? What are some of the small things that someone can change in their leadership that'll make a massive difference in the lives of those that they serve? Mm -hmm. So thanks for joining me. Talk to me about Steve Shank. Where'd you grow up? Lancaster County? Sure, Lancaster County, Southern Lancaster County. I was a chicken farmer, raised on a chicken farm. Oh, I love it. Come on. Church of the Brethren. Come on, Church of the Brethren. We both had that in common. Of course, of course. I was uh, raised on a farm, but I really really wasn't following Jesus when I was young. Our family attended church, sure, but we really weren't active in our faith. Yeah. And it wasn't until I was eight years old, seven or eight years old, I went to another church's summer Bible school. And what happened? And a lady put did a flannel board presentation. Now, that dates me right Whoa, there. Whoa, I remember flannel Fla- boards. Flannel's not just that a shirt. That was the 1800s, wasn't <laughs> yeah, it? That's right, that's right. <laughs> they did a flannel board presentation about Jesus. And I, as an eight-year-old, she says, wow. anybody want to give their life? I said, yes. No one else did. She said, if you want to come forward, I went forward. I said, I want Jesus. That is so cool. So that was eight years old. Uh, but then again, there wasn't much discipleship after that. Right. We attended church, but not much. Right. And it wasn't until, I think, in the Church of the Brethren line, when you're 11 or 12, you do right. water baptism. Okay. So I studied for water baptism class, you know. Wow. And then that day I got water baptized. Again, wow. Yeah. I'm going to follow Jesus. Yeah. You know, this is awesome. Sure. But again, there wasn't really too much. And then I really did not follow the Lord or really have an experience with God to almost after. But looking back, what could have changed? I mean, if you'd been discipled? That, that, of course. Of okay. course. Of course. You know, in other words, I went to church. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying it was a good church. Sure. But there was really, discipleship was not a, it was a class that you attended, not a journey that you went on. Oh, that's a good And so, uh, you know, if you went on to a class, you might have learned information. Right. But it wasn't necessarily transformational. That transformation that that I received was in other experiences when God touched me. Talk about some of those other experiences. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you've been all over the world training leaders, all these things, but what got you to that place? Yeah. What were the encounters with God that got you there? Yeah, I had. Uh, I graduated in 1973 from college in the 70s. Wow. This was the age of, you know, a sex roll, rock yeah. and roll, you know, yeah, free love. Yeah. So I had friends that were didn't go to college, and they were touring around the United States in a VW van. Really? Sure. And I said, when I graduate, and I was intending to go to graduate school, I was going to be a doctor of psychology. Really? I didn't so know funny. that. <laughs> so wow. Funny. So anyhow, I Dr. said, wherever, Shank. Yeah, right. Where, wherever you are, I will join you, you know, sure. before I go to graduate school. So they were in Tacoma, Washington. Yeah. 
So I sold my Austin Healy Sprite, which I regret to this day, <laughs> and bought a bus ticket and went, don't do that either. Went the whole way across the United States and joined them in Tacoma. I thought I knew you. I didn't know this stuff. Oh, this yeah, is amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm in Tacoma, Washington. These guys are, you know, into partying and yeah. drugs. And I was just sort of, I was tired of that scene. Yeah. So they went out. It's not that I didn't do that before. Right, right. But they went out one night and I said, I'm just going to stay home at the house we were staying in. So I was just sitting there reading, and then I heard my name called, and I thought it was them coming back. And I said, hey, I'm right in, right in here. Sure. And uh, no one answered. I thought, what? You know, at least am I hearing things? And I ah, must be hearing things. So I went back to reading, and then I, I heard my name called again, and I thought, okay, these guys are playing a trick sure. on me. So I went looking for them. I said, where are you guys? I mean, wow, what's, what's up? And I went back. Again, I didn't find them. I went back in my seat. Wow. And I heard my name called. And uh, even to this day, yeah, it was impactful. It was, it, I mean, God called my name. Beautiful. And uh, that changed my life. Mm. Uh, and then, you know, I, I, I was given two names of, of people. And I really was new to all I didn't really know what was happening. What did you say God gave me two names? What yeah. does that mean? I'll explain that in just okay. a little bit. So what happened is I must have fallen to sleep sometime. Okay. The guys had come back during the night sometime in the morning. When they got up, I said, guys, I heard a voice last night. And they're going, wow, cool. Yeah, that's <laughs> great. I said, no, guys, I, I don't know how to explain it, but I was given two names and I must go. I have to... I have to go fly back to Pennsylvania. There's two people, this one person I know is in Pennsylvania. I have to go. They said, wow, cool, whatever, you know. Yeah, right. So I bought a plane ticket and I flew back to Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, Southern Lancaster County. Yeah. And one of the names I was given was of a former girlfriend. Really? Now, I, we were amicable. We broke up, you know, sure. we weren't mad at each other, but it's, I really did not want to. Right. Call her. Yeah. But it took about three weeks to get enough strength, and I called her, and I said, uh, I, she said, hey, wow, it's good to hear your voice. I said, yeah, it's good to hear from you. She said, hey, would you come to a Bible study? I said, a Bible study? This was not a Bible study girl. I mean, not right. that she was bad, but right. she did not go to Bible. Right. She's inviting me to a Bible study? And my vision of a, of a Bible study was, Elderly lady sitting around a coffee table. And that's the last thing I wanted to be involved in. But she says, no, no, it's different. It's on a farm. And I said, on a farm. So anyhow, it took me a couple more weeks, you know, to convince myself. You know, one of those things, getting dressed, why am I going here? I don't really want to go here. But I got dressed. And I went to this little Bible study out on a farm. And when I arrived, there was like 40 or 50 chairs setting out on the yard between the barn and the house. I thought, what is this? I mean, I've never seen a Bible study like this. And then they had a hay wagon pulled in front of these chairs. I thought, what is it? So, you know, I sat the appropriate place, the last row, and I was watching. But really, what there's two things that really caught my attention. There was a group of people standing by the hay wagon. And I found out later they were gonna put a play on that one of the members of this group, or tenders of this group had written. So they, before they were going to put this play on, they prayed and they did something I never heard of the church of brethren. They prayed out loud. Wow. I mean, this group prayed out loud. Life transforming for you, huh? It was. (laughs) But what they prayed really caught my attention. This was August. 
around here in August, there's thunderstorms in the evening. Yeah. And it looks like it was just going to pour. And they said, they were praying, Jesus, would you rebuke this storm in Jesus' name? I thought, what? I rebuke the storm in Jesus? I never heard anything like that. Well, they put the play on. And of course, to me, the play was written just for me. Wow. It was about someone who had followed God when they were real young, fallen away, wow. didn't have his voice. It was just like God had my my name. That really caught my attention. Sure. But what happened next changed my world. Is it started raining right to the left of where this play was being wow. put on. It rained immediately behind where the play was being put on. To the right of the seats in this field. It was raining. That's amazing, Steve. I was afraid to turn around. I turned around, and it was raining. And this has been verified by a number of people, and I thought, what is going on here? What? So after the play, this one guy named Stanley like made a beeline for me. And Stanley started talking about, you need fill with the Holy Spirit. You need to baptize my house. I had no idea what he was sure. talking about. And so I, I, you know, I looked at Stanley. He looked at me, but I really was not listening to Stanley. I just turned him off my mind and I said, God, I know you called my name. I know it was you. Yeah. So if this is of you, I want everything you have. If it's not, I believe you're big enough to protect me from this. Right, right. So I stopped Stanley in the middle of his talk and I said, Stanley, would you pray for me? He goes, really? I go, yeah. So <laughs> he, he, he took me into the house. But by this time, the Bible study had broken up. Uh, people were actually on their way home. And the Holy Spirit told them to turn around and come back. People started coming back. And here uh, they put me in a chair in the middle of the house. And someone prayed for me. And I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow. And my life was changed. It was just a uh, quite an experience. Yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. I did not hear all those details yeah. before. That was amazing. Yeah. Now talk about your journey, your leadership journey. When sure. did you first realize... You might have some leadership qualities in you. There might be yeah. a call of leadership in your life. When did that first begin to happen? Well, actually, I, I you know, provided some leadership even before Christ. Right. You know, uh, I was part of the Boy Scouts. Sure. You know, when you were told to buddy up, I would buddy up, but I'd always get the third person who no one else wanted. Sure. I'd always get in trouble because I always find the person that <laughs> no one else wanted. And so there was leader. I was captain of the basketball team, things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but it wasn't really within the kingdom. What happened, this small group that met in the, in the barn there right. started growing. Yeah. We would meet in the house. We'd be sitting up the stairs. We'd, we were all young adults. We were just hungry for God. Wow. And, you know, God shows up when you're hungry for That's him. That's right. And uh, then the, the church, I was still attending the Church of the Brethren. We didn't. Okay. We were still attending our churches. And one of the deacons... Now, a deacon in the Church of Brethren is almost like an elder in right, some other churches. Right. The deacon came to me and said, Steve, would you go on a lay witness mission? I had no idea what that was. Sure. But what that is, is lay people who are not licensed and ordained go to other Church of the Brethren, and they're the ones that do the ministry. So usually someone meets with the adults, and someone meets with the youth and the young adults. And they asked me if I would meet with the youth and young adults. Wow. Someone else from the Bible study, who you know, Sam and Sherlyn Smucker sure. was part of that group. Sure. They ministered to the adults, and I ministered to the Wow, adults. that's amazing. 
But all I knew to do was to put a chair in the middle. That's all that happened to me. I put a chair in the middle and say, let's just pray. That's great. And God showed up. And uh, youth's lives were changed. You know, they were weeping. There was healings taken. It was just amazing things. And it was not because I knew what really to do. Right. I was just available. You were open to God. Your heart was totally open. Say, Lord, do whatever you want to do. And I had no idea what I was doing. Right. Uh, Then the deacon came to me one day with tears running down his cheek. And he says, Steve, you you won't be able to go on uh, these missions anymore. I said, "Uh uh-oh. Did I do something wrong? He said, no. The parents are complaining there's too much happening with the youth. Oh in other words, the youth did not want to leave. They, the parents would be waiting outside. They didn't want to leave, and I wasn't holding them. It's just sure. that the Spirit of God, God was, was moving. So finally he said, the, the senior pastor would like to talk to you. I thought, wow, this is great. The senior, you know, I'm new in Christ, and I, yeah. everybody loves everybody. I'm sure. on the love boat, you know. And so <laughs> we, I, the senior pastor calls me in, and uh, he says, Steve, I, I, uh, I really want to talk to you. I said, yeah, great. He says, you're not going to be able to go on these missions. I said, yeah. I said, is there something I've done wrong? He says, yes, there's there's something wrong with you. I said, you know, he's dead serious. I'm looking Literally. at him. Oh, my gosh, what did I do? I mean, what did I do? He says, you have excessive happiness. <laughs> and I just... I didn't know how to respond to that. Excessive happiness. That's what he told me. He said, I have excessive <laughs> happiness. And, I, you know, I think on both our sides, you know, as we grew through that, you know, young ones, we didn't know either. I mean, it wasn't necessarily his fault. Right, sure. Uh, new things were happening, and really no one really knew how to handle all this that was they happening. They did not know what to do with you. That was what happened. <laughs> uh, but from there, that group started growing. Uh, you know, I was sort of thrust in some leadership of that. I met my wife there. Oh, that's great. We were the first couple to get married from that group. Really? That's yeah. great. Uh, and then this is where the other name comes in place. Yes. Uh, where uh, I now forget doctor of psychology. I want to learn more about Jesus. Yeah. So I said, well, where do I go to get training? And there was a school I knew that was charismatic, I heard, right. which was out in, it was called Melody Land School of Theology in yes. Anaheim, California. Right. So Rose and I uh, were, you know, we were just newly married, a year old, and we said, let's go to California. Wow. So we sold everything we had, which was not much at all. We bought a 60 Ford 40 Conline van. Don't do that either. <laughs> and we loaded up our stuff and says, we're going to graduate school. But a friend, now this is where this other name in, Doug. I was given a name, Doug. I did not know it, Doug. Sure. But Doug came to that Bible study. He got saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. And he says, I want to go to that same graduate school. Can mm-hmm. I go with you? And we're thinking, okay, we're going to camp the whole way out. You know, we're going to, you know, we're, we're going to use our tent and camp the right. whole way out. Take three weeks. We're going to go through all the national parks. Sure. We're going to go to the Jesus Festival in, in Mercer, Pennsylvania oh, on the way out. Yeah, sure. sure. And so he said, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking we can save expenses, you know. Mm-hmm. We can share gas money. Sure. You can have your tent. We'll have our tent. And he goes, great. He says, but there's one thing. I have a green Volkswagen. Would you mind if we would hook that green Volkswagen to the back of your 60 Ford Ford Econoline van and pull it to California? And I says, this van's not going to make it over the Rockies by itself. Right. But he was very persuasive. So we hooked the van. He did it. We hooked the Volkswagen to the van and off we went. Make a long story short, I was driving in where Mount Rushmore is. Right. Uh, in South Dakota there. South Dakota, North, South Dakota, I guess yes. it is. 
and I was driving. And again, there's no GPS at that time. Right. We were looking for we were looking for a campground where we were going to stay. And Rose is up here looking at the map. Doug is back here. We have a little dog. Doug, Doug's back there. And I'm driving on the three-lane highway. Right. We're looking for our campground, and all of a sudden, a green Volkswagen passes us. No. It was our green Volkswagen. Your green Volkswagen. <laughs> <It was our laughs> green. And I see it. I go, wow. And Doug yells, go get it. Go get it. Now, what can you, I mean, we're sitting in a van. <laughs> there goes the green Volkswagen. And this green Volkswagen went right through traffic. Didn't, I mean, just cut right throughout the... And he, I'm, I'm going, wow. And Doug's yelling, go get it, go get it. I mean, it was crazy. Anyhow, this this van, this Volkswagen was headed right through a mobile home park. Oh, my. And looks like it was going to hit one of the mobile homes square, right in the center. But right before it got there, it hit a, a drainage ditch. It broke its axles, and there we were. Now, we're in Rapid City, South Dakota. We don't oh, know my. a person. We're obeying God, we think, to go to graduate school. What do we do? So we, we set up tent. But I always tell people this was an intelligent Volkswagen because <laughs> this mobile home park was attached to the campground we were looking for. Oh, okay. I got so you. we set up our, our tents. You know, Rose and I set up ours. We said, now what do we do? We're, we don't know anybody. And Doug says, you know, we passed a wax museum about six or seven miles ago. I go, okay. He says, I think we ought to go back there. Rose and I look at each other. We said, we got nothing else. Sure. Yeah. So Rose says, I'll stay here with the tents. <laughs> so Doug and I drove back in the van. Sure enough, there was a wax museum there. And it was a Christian wax museum of, of history of Christianity or something. And we, we walked in the door, and there was a guy who met us with a cowboy hat and a bolo tie. And he opens the door and says, praise the Lord. I thought, <laughs> okay, we're, we're in a good place here. Yeah. Anyhow, to make a long story short, uh, we started talking to him and we tell him the story about the Volkswagen. And he says, is it a green Volkswagen? He said, well, well, yeah, it, it's a green Volkswagen. And he said, oh, he goes, praise the Lord. I thought maybe this guy's a little, sure. a little crazy. He says, no, our small group, the one lady in there has been praying for a green Volkswagen. Would you sell that green Volkswagen? And I said, sold. Before Doug could speak, I said, sold. So we, that Volkswagen was sold. He called his pastor. The pastor came and got us, took us around, ate, gave us a meal. Then he asked us, where are you going to graduate school? And we says, we're going to Melgaline. We don't know anybody. We don't know how we're going to live. We're just, we don't know how we're going to do this, but we felt God called us to do this. And he goes, we have someone from our congregation who's a senior at that school. How about we call them? Wow. They got us pre-registered, got a place to live. What looked like everything was failing, like the Volkswagen broke down. We don't, we're in a place we don't know. God knew. And that's a lesson I've always learned is that I don't care what it looks like. If yeah. you're following God, yes. and especially if my wife and I agree upon something, right. It's just, we just learned, it doesn't matter what it looks like. God is there. God beautiful. will guide. So that's a lesson, one of the lessons oh, we learned. Beautiful. Oh, yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Now, I know you were a missionary. How did you get yeah. to the mission field? How did that happen? Because I know you were in leadership there, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, we always, I always felt called to the places that are not happening. Right. You know, I, later on, I learned that sort of the apostolic call. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, I was, I love being around fellowship, but I was always attracted to like, wow, 
There's nothing happening here. There's people who need Christ. And so we felt, my wife and I called to the mission field. We were charismatics, though we thought we don't know. Who do we call? Sure. So I called the Assemblies of God. They're, they're charismatic. Right. And the Assemblies of God says, well, have you pastored for five years? I said, well, we were part of a youth movement that we led. No, no, no. Call us back after you pastored five years. Yeah. I said, wow. So my wife comes from Amish Mennonite. Right, background. right. She said, there's this thing called Eastern Mennonite Board of Missions and Charities. I thought the name was intimidating. You know, <laughs> I thought, what? what? I said, well, I don't know whether Mennonite, well, okay. So we went and checked it out. And here we met the man that would become my missions mentor, which was Don Jacobs. That's amazing. And uh, Don Jacobs was in, was in charge of oversee things at EMM, which became later known as right. Eastern Mennonite Missions. Don was an amazing man. Of God. Don yeah. uh, was a, he became my missions mentor, and I said, Don, I gotta be. When I first met, I gotta be honest. We we speak in tongues and cast out demons. Yeah, and he goes great. <laughs> he would. <laughs> and uh, so this is another a lesson. A lot of times, people think that you know you gotta have a specific call, yes. gotta have a specific name. And they gave us five places where we can get involved okay. in unreached areas. And we submitted to our small group. Mm-hmm. We submitted to our, our group that we were part of. And no one really got a, a clear, even us, we didn't get a clear calling to one place. Right. But we went back to Don. We had now built a relationship over a number of months. And we said, Don, we trust you and your leadership. You see our gifts. We will go where you send us. That's so good. So some people said that can't work out. It did for us. And so we ended up working among the Griffina, an unreached people group. We were the first missionary, long-term missionaries after the New Testament had been translated. And that was which nation? Uh, we, it, we lived in Belize, right. but we worked all along the Griffina coast, which would have been okay. Honduras, Belize, Guatemala, okay. with okay. the Griffina. Okay. Then Don become, became my long-term mentor. He... He opened doors to places there's no way I right. should have been there. Yeah, uh, well, you're, you're focusing on key leadership, truth, and principle, the need for mentors. Yes. And you found Don as a mentor. I mean, he's a mentor for a season of my life. I love oh. that man. Uh, but you've, he, God used him powerfully. I mean, even, even you and Rose saying, we'll go wherever you say, that's amazing. You had that kind of confidence that God would speak to him in that way. And, and it, was, it was right. Yeah, it, it was. changed your life. It, it was, was right. It was. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of... It's not that we were non-rebellious. We just saw someone who really cared for us, right? And also could call things out of us that we didn't even know we had. Yeah. I mean, Don sent me places to uh, meetings where I should have not been on my name. Right. It was a gatherings of all the heads of organizations, and Don said, "You go represent me." Right. I said, "Really, Don?" <laughs> so Don knew. I mean, he had me engaged with things that. But I learned so much from Don. Don didn't necessarily all the time tell me what to do. Right. But he put me in the place to learn or be around people that I could learn. Okay, that's a key leadership principle. Yeah. You know, as we mentor others. Yes. Helping them be at a place where they can learn from others. Because we, we don't have it all. We only have a small piece of the reality that's needed. Well, I think that's part of the mistake I made in, in being young in leadership. Well, talk about that. Let's talk about some of the mistakes. <laughs> Yeah. You made a few mistakes. <laughs> I think I still do. <laughs> um, well, among many, I mean, because I had no one at that time really modeling what does leadership look like, uh, my leadership model would have been like a friend of mine, Desmond, draws a, 
an illustration of leadership of a bottle and that at the top of the bottle, the bottleneck yeah. is the leader calling everybody up right. to his, his vision, her vision. And then, of course, as you call people up, the neck gets smaller right. and there's only so many people that can get up there. That's right. And then people who can't get up there, guess what happens to them? They spin out. Yeah. But if you invert that mm-hmm. bottle mm-hmm. and leadership is looked at let me help you that's right find your calling and yes. your place yes in the beginning i think as a young leader i viewed leadership as fulfill my vision right what i'm called to do uh what it's for me that sounds terrible doesn't mean me i uh, but that's how i viewed it that's why many people and, view leadership and i i had learned that there's i think god knows i'm probably stubborn or something he does illustrations. I was at, in late 18, 1980s, I was asked to speak at the leadership conference at the Superdome. I even think you were there. I was there. And I was asked to do one of the workshops, right. teach one of the workshops. And Paul Yagi Cho was the main speaker mm-hmm. at night, in the evenings. Right. And so I had taught my workshop, and I get to the platform. All the teachers are to be on the platform with the, the main speaker. Right. So I got there a little late because there was interaction at my workshop. But when we got there, there was two chairs left, and three of us arrived at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I said, you, no, you guys take it. You know, I'll find another seat. Now, I will receive no reward for that because I wanted that seat. <laughs> I really wanted that seat. So I went away. But where I found a seat, and if you've ever been in the Superdome, was way yeah. Oh, at yeah. the top. And Paul Yagi Cho was about three sure. inches tall. Yeah. And I'm up there complaining. Yeah. I'm saying, God, you know, I'm one of the, I'm one of the speakers. You know? <laughs> Only twice in my life I had an open vision. And this was one of those times where all of a sudden I'm not in the Superdome. Wow. I'm on a road that splits into two. And at the end of this one road is the big letter M. It was lit up. It was very attractive. And at the end of this small other road was a small little M. So I immediately walked towards this big M. Sure. But when I got there, it was lit up plastic. Wow. I went, wow. That's wow. So I backed up, went towards the small M. When I got closer to that small M, there was such a peace and a mm. presence. And all of a sudden, boom, I'm back in the Superdome. Now, I'm a little frightened because my eyes were not closed. And I'm looking around, did anybody else see what I just right, saw? Right. Then I said, Jesus, what was that? Yeah. This is a lesson I, I keep re- reminded. He said, Steve, that big M stands for ministry. Don't ever run and seek after ministry. Wow. I says, what does that small M stand? That small M stands for me. Oh, that's so good. You you seek me. See, I thought I was I was with the big boys, you know. Yeah. And and again, God has to those lessons over and over again were fantastic. When I was younger, I used to I think as a leader I would try to control things yeah. because of my insecurity. But now that I've relaxed in Jesus and know that it's his kingdom, you know, it's it's a it's Low control by high, high accountability. Correct. You know, it's not tight control and low accountability. It's completely the opposite. So, I mean, there's many lessons, but that's one of them. That is amazing. That has impacted me forever, and I'm always reminded. And I try to remind young leaders, it's, there's nothing wrong with desiring to use your gifts. Right. But I think when I was younger, I was more concerned about finding what I am called to do. Mm-hmm. I'm more concerned about me that I actually was about people right, and about following what Jesus wants. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, now, so, you know, I'm still learning that, that it's, it's, it's his kingdom that's the most important. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you've got so much inside you. I'd I'd like to have you back if that'd be okay with you. Great. And I, I want to ask you more questions. Sure. I know there's a lot of stories that you've told me, or even about oh, leadership. My. You haven't even had time to touch on today. Yeah. Talk to me a bit about the book you're writing. You're writing a book yeah, yeah, on yeah. on Barnes, right? Yes, and yeah. we're talking in Barnes in Lancaster County. Yes. Just tell us about that. Yet. Sure. Uh, just well, one of the reasons I think this generation, I think. Well, you've really noticed that in many of your books that you've written and the way you communicate, they're looking for authentic Christianity. That's right. They're looking for authentic relationships. Yes. They want the real deal. That's right. And uh, I think we can learn from history. Mm-hmm. Not that we look back and say, that's what we want. I think God's going to take us forward. That's right. But I think there's lessons we can learn. And in uh, what I'm doing from the 1970s up to the year 2000, there was tremendous movements that were taking place yeah. in Lancaster County. I mean, Dove is part of that. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, there was the Worship Center, right. Petra. There was a group that we were part of. That's right. And what I'm doing is I'm doing a compilation. Some of these movements have written their history. Right. And we're going to do, I'm working on the compilations of putting these things Beautiful. together Beautiful. so that this next generation can understand these are some of the things that we've experienced. I am so glad you're doing this. This is amazing. And the reason, like for just yesterday, for example, it's amazing. I was called to a farm, not far from me, of a 31-year-old who's just come from out of the Amish. Yeah. He's, uh, he has 12 other guys that he says were hungry. Uh, and he says, do you know anything about the move of the Holy Spirit or yeah. things like this? And I said, well, sure, we'll help you. But if they can also see that God, we can learn from some of the things and the mistakes too. That's right. That we made in those movements. But they can see that God still desires. Everywhere I travel in the world in missions, Lancaster County, and I don't, you know, I'm prejudiced because I'm from Lancaster County. Right, right. But Lancaster County is known as a place Mm -hmm. that raises up people involved in, especially in mission. Right. They have good foundations in their yeah. life. And everywhere I go around the world, I run into people from this area. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. I've been told many times that people in Lancaster County, believers in, in Jesus, give more to missions from this county they do. than any other they do. county in the nation. They do. It's amazing. They do. But I, what, what, we're, what I'm trying to do is this compilation. I want, I want you to see, just hear the stories of what God... Beautiful. Because sometimes you think we're, we're, we're all alone. No one's really experienced yeah. some of this. Now, we, they can learn from some of the things we've done and some right. of the mistakes. Right. And they'll experience some new things. And that's what we got to you know release and bless. Exactly. And, and, and they'll look different the next generation. It will. <laughs> and we've got to get behind them and, and what God's doing. And be mentors like, like Don Jacobs that's was right. to be. That's right. You know what I found out? I thought I was Don's special one. But I found out that Don had, he had a lot many of special, special ones. He did, yeah. <laughs> but he spoke just, into my life. He helped me so much. Yeah, That's just what tells you it wasn't about him. Yeah, It was about helping you. That's right. And I think if any lesson I can teach young leaders or any leaders is, yeah. first of all, it's not about you. I, right. I want you to be released in your calling. You know, for me... I want to, you know, I found out I'm an apostle to, to, right. to start new things. But I really had to learn, yes, that's my call, but it's really not about finding what I'm called to do. If I align with what God's called that's to right. do, God's called to reach nations and peoples. Mm. And if I align my life with what his desire is, then my gift will be released. It will. And if I'm with a body... You know, if we, it, what's the African proverb said? If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. That's right. 
And so I'm still learning, you know, what yeah. is to as a team. So many things. But that's what I'm writing right now, putting that compilation so together. So do you have a name for your book? Yeah, it's going to be, well, it's, the, the longer title, it's, it's uh, The History of the Charismatic Renewal. But the subtitle is It Began in a Barn. I love it. Every love one of it. these movements began outside of the, yes. what we'd call the institutional, right. even the building. Right. It sort of took away from the holy place the holy person at a holy time. Yeah, that's really true. It just changed that. Thank you. And you've written many articles. And, and on the show notes for anyone listening today, uh, there's information about Steve, how you can get a hold of Steve, the ministries that God's given him, uh, some things that he's written that could help you. That'll all be on the show notes. Steve, I'm going to have you back. Thank you so much. It was for a joy, Larry. It's great. It was a joy. Again, this is the Larry Carter Leadership Podcast. We learn these small changes we can make in our lives that'll make a massive difference in our lives and the lives of those whom we serve in the future. God bless you. Have an amazing day in the Lord. Thank you for listening to Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. If you want more information about any of Larry's books, daily devotionals, small group resources, or any other teachings, go to LarryKreider.com.